Well, uh, good afternoon, everyone. I'm glad you can make it back out here this afternoon. Uh, I will say that as I started, actually, this is a message that's kind of worked on off and on for a while. And it's kind of more so for me, but it's for me and the, the idea that something that I could wish that I had time to really share with people that I work with. Um, and actually some other people, some people that are lost. And the reason I say that is just because of the troubling times in the sense that we've been experiencing this year. So I'm actually in the book of John, chapter 14, uh, starting actually in verse 1 of John, the Gospel of John. And it's something that I see so much day in and day out, working in healthcare. Um, and I've titled the message, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. And in verse 1 it begins, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the afternoon that we have. We thank you for the day, how you've continued to give us the strength that we need and the guidance through your word. We would ask now for your blessing and that it would be your word that goes out. And that, Lord, that you would help us to be in tune, to be ready, to serve you, and to be an example for those that are around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let not your heart be troubled. When I think of that idea of being troubled, you know, we can sometimes think of the idea of um, maybe uneasy, you know, maybe disturbed, agitated, or we can even feel shaken because of something that's happening and we don't truly understand what's going on and our hearts can be troubled. You know, stopping to think about being troubled, let not our heart be troubled. I actually came up with, uh, actually thought of two areas. You know, we can actually be troubled knowing what the circumstances are and what's going to happen, what's coming up. But we can also be troubled because we don't know what's happening. We don't understand what's going on. We may be a little bit confused and afraid. That first part, the first one of knowing what's going on, we could actually turn back a chapter into chapter 13. And in chapter 13, uh, and actually verses 12 through 21 here, as I read, it says here in 13, uh, yeah, verse 12. So after he, Jesus, washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so am I. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. 
I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it is come that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus hath thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and testified, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. We find here that Jesus had a troubled heart at this moment. And it's because he knew what was coming. He knew about his death on the cross, the pain that he would suffer. He knew how his father would actually turn against him during that hour and that he would bear the sins of the world. See, and, you know, so we can know that even when a difficult time or maybe there is a difficult circumstance coming up, we can have a troubled heart. We can be concerned and maybe a bit fearful. Jesus had taken even this moment as he was sharing with those that he sat down with. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that there would be a time that they would come and get him and haul him off to be crucified. That is a troublesome time, a troubled heart. But nevertheless, think about in Matthew, when he, when Jesus, in Matthew chapter 26, verses 38 and 39, then said he, Jesus, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And when he went a little further and fell on his face and praised, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Even though he knew what was going to happen, his heart was troubled. He had the confidence in his father, in God, to see him through. He said, he asked for that cup to be passed. He didn't desire to go through this just to feel the pain. But his desire was to do the Lord's will, his father's will. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. And I think that's something we can learn from ourselves here. That as we know that we're going to experience some troublesome times, some difficult circumstances, we need to remember that we need to be in the Lord's will when it comes to that. We may know what's going on. We may see it coming. We may not like it but we know we have to go through it. And our heart would probably be troubled during that time frame. And we need to remember that if it's the Lord's will, as we go through this troubling time, he can give us that confidence that we need, you know, give us that strength that we need to go through it. Because, you know, there are some dark paths that we sometimes have to go through 
And we're like feeling like we're the only one. And we may travel it knowing that this is what God wants. And we may feel like we have no strength whatsoever. But somehow, somewhere, the next thing you know, we realize, wait a minute, I'm not alone. God is with me. He knows I need to go through this. I know I need to go through this. He will be with me as we travel through that valley. So that's one way of having a troubled heart. That troubled heart is knowing what the circumstances are, knowing it's coming our way, but also knowing that we need to go through it. And it's by God's grace we'll get through it. And that's something I think we need to hang on to. There are so many people in this world that have troubled hearts, troubled souls. And a lot of them have nowhere to turn. And a lot of them are trying to find answers in this world. They're trying to find answers through medicine. They're trying to find answers through maybe the politicians. But a lot of them still haven't realized the answer is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That concept, that thought of turning their lives over to believe in him will take away so much of that troubled heart, so much of that fear, the uneasiness, you know, that idea of being afflicted, that idea of being agitated. Because we can remember that God does bring peace. Rob talked about that last Sunday afternoon in Philippians. The peace that God brings. And we can find that if we turn and make sure our hearts are on the Lord Jesus Christ. As we go back into chapter 14, you know, of John, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Believe the basic concept of having our hearts being put at peace, at ease. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? As we get into chapter 14, we'll come across three of the disciples that ask questions. You know, we have Thomas, we'll have Philip, and we'll have Judas, not Iscariot, <laughs> that will ask questions. And these questions, to me, are based upon because they do not understand. And that's where a troubled heart can come from on the other side of the spectrum. Not understanding what God is trying to tell us, what Jesus is trying to tell us. The first question here Thomas has is, we know not whether thou goest. How can we know the way? In a sense, he's confused. He's concerned. Because he's saying, what do you mean, Jesus? 
that we can follow you. We don't know where you're going. How can we truly follow you if we don't know where you're at? Thomas, at this point, I believe, was still stuck in that concept that Jesus was going to have his kingdom here on earth, that he was going to become the king here to take down that kingdom, take down the Roman Empire and all the other uh, societies that are around, and that we were going to reign on earth. That's where he, I believe that's where he was still at this point, not truly understanding what Jesus had been trying to tell him that he is going to have to depart from there, from earth. And he is going to join his father up in heaven. But he will return. But Thomas was still kind of stuck in that mode, believing in something else. He didn't truly understand what God was trying to tell him, what Jesus was trying to tell him here. When he said, how can we know the way? Immediately Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Jesus is trying to explain again to Thomas to help him to understand he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You know, there were so many people that I wish that I worked with that would hear that message. I see their hearts tremble and so many times, day in and day out. And it's not that they're bad people in and of themselves. These are people that are involved in health care. These are people that have a passion to see other people physically well and that they can maintain a healthy lifestyle. These are people that I work with and they dedicated their life to making sure people are okay and have that desire. You know, we have the Lord Jesus Christ who's our healer and they have taken on the role of being a healer physically for those that come in to the healthcare system. And, you, and I try at times to try to give that example. And I even try to look back at some people during the years to say, look, think about the idea of that symbol in medicine. It's the rod, the staff, and it's got a snake wrapped around it. That is a symbol in healthcare for medicine to be well. That, you know where that came from? Moses, when the serpents were biting, that bit many of the people, the children of Israel in the wilderness. And when that staff was made with a snake wrapped around it, what they needed to do was look at it to be healed. That symbol became the symbol of medicine, of health care in our society. And you would think as a basis, as a foundation, that it was a Christian basis, Christ-like basis, that there would be people in healthcare that would look back and say, wow, yeah, Christianity, in a sense, had a part to play in healthcare. You know, we actually believed to the point that we took a symbol 
from the Bible and made it a symbol in our health care. And you know, people, in a sense, still turn away because they're so focused on the medicine side of things that we can do it ourselves. We have the intelligence. And you know what? Their hearts are troubled. Because here we are today facing another disease that they still don't have a handle on. Every day things are changing. They have the basis of what the problem is, but they don't have a solution yet. And I don't see them praying and asking God for help, for guidance. I imagine there are people in healthcare that are praying and asking God to provide a solution, to provide a medicine for this. I mean, I know we have people in churches doing that. But I imagine there are some Christians in healthcare doing it as well. But in the environment that I am in, day in and day out, there are people with troubled hearts. Because when it says in verse 2, I mean, verse 1, you believe in God, believe also in me. They have not taken that role on to believe in God, to believe in Jesus Christ. As we continue on with Thomas and the idea of trying to know the way that he is to travel or the way that the disciples are to walk and the rest of us, and Jesus explaining to him, I am the way. And given basically a reminder, this is not going to be, I'm taking over as king now on this earth, on this planet. And no sooner as he was saying this basically to Thomas, Philip has a question in verse 8. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest then, show us the Father? You see, Philip still had a misunderstanding of the Father and the Son. And basically the Holy Spirit, as we will read you know, in just a few verses down. Philip had a hard time believing that the Father and that the Son are one, that they're part of a trinity. You know, think about that. A lot of people, too, in today's society probably have a hard time trying to picture that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are one. We, even as Christians, it could be something hard, hard for us to fathom at times, even as a young child in Christ. But Jesus is trying to explain to him as well that believe, in verse 10, believest thou not that I am the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, and he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. I will else believe for their very work's sake. He said, at least believe in the works that are happening. At least believe in that. 
and you will know that the Father is in me and that I'm in the Father, that I'm doing his will, what he wants me to do, what he's called me to do. And see, if we truly believe in that, to believe in the Father's will, to believe in his works, to put our faith there, you know, maybe we won't have that troubled heart. If we understand why Jesus came to earth, why the Father sent him, why he, as God, took on the form of man, and that he came to die on the cross to shed his blood for us, for every person, every soul. And if it's a matter of us believing who he is and what he did, and that it was for us, it was for me, it was for you, that his death brought us eternal life, that we became his children, the father's children. We were adopted into the family. As we continue on here, he says in verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. See, he hasn't finished, Jesus has not finished talking to to Thomas. That even as he's talking to Philip, he's also keeping that conversation with Thomas alive. Remind him, I am going to be with my father. There is a way that I must travel. You need to understand that I am going to be with my father. That this is the Lord's will, how it is to play out, so to speak. So as he says, I am you know, going to be with my father. And in verse 13, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. You see, there was a promise here that even in trying to explain, to help Philip, to help Thomas understand, he's given every one of us a promise. The promise that the comforter will come. There will be another one who will give you the comfort that you need. And this is where he's talking about the Holy Spirit. As he opens up and says that he may abide in you forever. Here's a promise. When we believe in God, when we put our trust, we put our faith in him, we will receive the comforter. He will abide in us forever. Talk about giving us strength to diminish that troubled heart, to take away any anxiety, to take away any uneasiness. That bit when we're shaken because we are not aware, we don't have an understanding or a true understanding of maybe the circumstances that surround us. We will have the comforter 
that will help us in that regard. Big mouse. Golfer. So, in verse 16, you know, as he says, I will give you another comforter that he may abide with you. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth not him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be with you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet in a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live. Ye shall live also. Amen. And at that day shall you know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. See, one of the things he's talking about, too, is the idea that there's that promise. He's coming again. And when he comes again, he said, you may not quite understand what I'm trying to tell you right now. But there's going to be a time you will understand. Keep that in mind. If we don't truly understand something, but we know where the Lord's will, he will give us that confidence. But he will help us to understand in his time. When we're ready for it, maybe. In verse 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. You see, as we believe and we put our trust in God, we're going to have an understanding or maybe gain more and more of an understanding as we spend time with him, as we spend time in his word. Remember, he says at least Listen to my works. See my works, that they are true. He also says, I'm going to send you a comforter. Somebody that will bring you that peace that you need. And if you know of these things that are to come, it will comfort that troubled heart that you may have. You may not understand now, But believe me, you will understand later. And then in verse 22, the third person, Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Stop to think about that. The Lord is going to manifest himself unto those that believe in him those that have trusted in him, because those that believe in him will receive the Holy Spirit. There are many souls out there today that are troubled and they don't have the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, they don't have that peace. And they are probably, and I know they're experiencing more of a troubled heart these days than they probably had in years because of the unknown. You know, we may not know what is in still for us for tomorrow, but that old saying, but we've read the back of the book and we know who wins. We know how it's going to end. We know where our life will be, where we're going to spend eternity. 
and that is with Jesus Christ. And if we think on these things, just like Rob said last week, think on these things in Philippians. We're going to gain that peace, maybe, that we lack. It's so easy in the things that are going on in today's society to get caught up in that anxiety, to get caught up in that unknown, to wonder, okay, is my health compromised? Did I do something wrong here? Am I okay? Can I talk to this person or should I shy away? You know, whatever the case may be, if we give all those doubts and those questions over to the Lord Jesus Christ, give them to God. Keep it in prayer. He will give us that answer that we need. He will help us to have a true understanding of the circumstances and where we should focus our priorities. Focus our thoughts, our minds, our hearts. And as we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, things will fall into place. Maybe not overnight. Maybe we will still have to deal with some difficult circumstances. This week was one of those more difficult weeks than I've had through all this. And I've seen other people experiencing difficult times as well. You know, it started off, I know a couple of you know that my, my supervisor, my boss, he has a son in the Air Force Academy. He was diagnosed with COVID and he had basically to be hospitalized. He only spent a brief time, but he turned around and began to improve. But then his mother and stepfather, his stepfather first, came down with it. And then she, being right there in the same house, she came down with it. They were both hospitalized, both in ICU at the same time. He passed away last Sunday afternoon from COVID. His mother is stable. She's still hospitalized. She's out of the ICU. But it's going to be a while because she does not have that strength in her. So that's how this past week started. And my supervisor cannot leave She's in South Carolina. They were in South Carolina. The idea of traveling to South Carolina, and he as a surgeon, needed here. And knowing how he, even if he went down there, he could not see his mother. Because she's in isolation. It was a troublesome week for him. And it was for all of us in the office as our hearts went out to him and his family. A son in Colorado who's still isolated, his mother who was isolated and just lost her husband. And here he and his family are in Maine. Every day at work, we experience the idea we know somebody who's affected because of this disease. 
and then it ends on Friday with the idea that if you have not heard, the VA hospital in Connecticut had an explosion. A steam pipe erupted. It was in the building right beside the hospital. That explosion killed two people and injured, seriously injured three others. We had to go into a, like an incident command status for the possibility, not knowing the damage, are we going to have to actually receive patients all the way from Connecticut? Because one of the problems happening is the hospitals nationwide are full with COVID patients. So where do they send these patients if they have to leave the VA in Connecticut? So it became such a, you know, in a sense, like a crisis moment. And to watch people that, yes, the adrenaline was definitely rampant for each one of these people. And all week long, the, those had troubled hearts. Their souls were troubled. They were confused, shaken, uneasy, not knowing where to put their faith, actually. That's how a lot of them conduct themselves to this day. They don't know where to put their faith. Some have tried the politics. Some have tried the medicine. And they don't have an answer yet. This is where they need Jesus Christ. To be able to have an opportunity to share with people the gospel, the plan of salvation, to know where you can put your faith so you don't have that troubled heart. Now, I would love to have opportunity to share that with the people that I work with much more than what I've had to in the past. Circumstances dictate that our conversation is very limited now. We have to remain socially distanced. And it's based on our health, the health of the veterans that come through, and the health of others. This is the stance that they've made for us to take. We find, I find at work, that the people do not have the comforter that they should have through these circumstances. Judas, when he says here, how is it thou will manifest thyself unto us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. Do we love God? Are we keeping his words? And my father will love him and will come to him and make our abode with him. If we love him and keep his words, he will abide with us. I thought of part of Troy's message this morning in this part where it says, if a man love me, and was it over in um, Hosea 11, was it chapter 11, uh, or chapter 6, verse 3, we talk about the idea of following on. 
you know, if we follow. You know, Israel had that commandment, follow me. This was God speaking to him. Follow me and I will bless you, basically. I will watch over you. You are my children if you follow me. Same type, same concept we have here. If a man love me, if you love me and keep my words, you're going to follow me. You're going to listen to what I have to say. In verse 24, he that loveth me, loveth me not, keepeth my saying, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I love this part because after these three men spoke up with their questions, Jesus reiterates, let not your heart be troubled. To me, that's kind of something that we can learn from too. Even though we may have questions, we may not truly understand what lies ahead with some of our circumstances. Let not our hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe and seek him out. Search him. And as we search him and as we follow his word, follow his teaching, his leadings, we will have that comfort. We will gain that peace that he's promised here. Because this is another promise in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. And one of the things that I love, he says here is, it's my peace that I give unto you, not that of the world. The world says they offer peace, but it's not. My peace is eternal. If there's any kind of peace from the world, it's temporary. And it's not genuine. And I think a lot of our people that we see today try to find peace within the world and the world system. Whether it may be trying to be of good health, whether it may be a financial type of peace, whether that peace may come from what they have, so to speak, not only in their pocket, but their possessions. There are many people that try to find peace that way. You know, <laughs> I look back, you know, I'm kind of 58 years old now. Mm -hmm. I won't say how old Marge is. Uh, <laughs> I'm 58 years old. Yes, we have a few more things than we did when we first got married. But you know, the peace that I have now, in a sense, is the same peace I had when we didn't have a house. 
and we didn't have all the possessions. The only difference is the peace I have now is even stronger than it was back then. And that's honestly because of time with God. Not because of all the possessions. You know, and as a matter of fact, you know, Marge and I have even tried to do some thinning out with things. Seems like every time we thin out things to get out of the house, something comes in. You know, and not necessarily of our own choosing, <laughs> so to speak. We cleaned out things, we got rid of things, and kind of, ah, doesn't feel like clutter. And then my mother-in-law sold her house. And we kind of inherited things from her house. We said we only wanted a couple of things, but when a moving van showed up, we know we got more than a couple of things <laughs> that we had to make room for. And then our daughter moved into the house. So much so that her belongings didn't fit, but had to rent a storage unit. <laughs> so, you know, having all these things, all it does is create clutter. You know, what's important? Is it our relationship with God? Our relationship that we have a testimony to those that are around us? that peace that God gives us, do they see that, the people that we work with, family that's lost, do they see that peace? Yes, they may see us with a troubled heart from time to time, but that troubled heart is not necessarily because of anger or that we're agitated. It may be out of concern. Look back and think about when Jesus had a troubled heart. His heart was troubled because he knew what was coming. He knew of the pain he was going to experience. You know, to the point he prayed and asked for the Father to take it away, if possible. But at the same time, he said, Nevertheless, not thy will, but not my will, but thy will be done. And we have to be like that with many things that may come along in our own life. That we may have that troubled heart, that concern, because of something that we know that is coming that could be difficult or awkward we have to face. And we know we need to face it because each one of us have trials that we have to go through circumstances that we have to deal with that are not always pleasant. But if we face it with the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, good times, bad times, it will minimize that troubled heart that many people have today. He says in verse 26 again, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. He will bring things to remembrance. 
as we experience those troublesome times, the Holy Spirit is going to bring things into our remembrance. Scripture that we once read that we got a blessing from. Maybe it was a message that was preached two years ago, five years ago. Something from that message triggers a memory that gives us comfort. And in verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice. Because I said, I go unto the Father, and my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter, I will not talk, talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and have nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so do I, so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Jesus closes out to remember that we should rejoice in what is about to happen. Because through the troublesome heart that he had, he gained the peace knowing that what he is about to go through on the cross will clearly get the message out to the world that they will have no doubt to know that Jesus Christ is God. And that's the message that we are to take to this world. And that is what's going to bring us to peace. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, so much for the day you've given to us. Thank you for the time that we're able to spend in your word. We would ask now that as we close, that through you, Lord, we will gain the strength we need to face this coming week, to have that peace, to know that the Comforter is working through us and that you give us the strength we need, the understanding that we need. We may not have a full understanding at that moment, but we know that as we follow you and your word, we will be an example for you. And hopefully, Lord, be well-pleasing in your eyes. We thank you again, in Jesus' name, amen.